Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through His church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful, share it. If you have some helpful insights on revitalization, let's share them on the show. Now, let's get into today's topic. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for the next episode of Vitalnomics. And Janet and I are sitting in the studio. We're excited to talk with you today. So what's up, Jay? Not much. How are you? I'm doing great. We're getting ready for Exponential Conference in a couple of days, and we are so excited. Very excited. Yeah. So being in New England, it is just cold up here, and any excuse we can get to get down to Florida where the sun Sunshine, is shining. Yeah. vitamin D, getting another snowstorm this weekend. Too. Yeah, we are. We are. But it's, it's incredible. And so we're gearing up for that to do a couple of sessions there. And so if you're not familiar with Exponential, Go on and check out exponential.org, and you can also watch online for free. I believe they're streaming some of the live stages of speakers that are going to be going on, so you don't want to miss that. But today, you are joining us because we are talking about something that's really important, and that has to do with pressure points of church revitalization. And I think all of us, in some way, if we're just getting into revitalization, or maybe we've been in it for a while, um, there are going to be pressure points. And so today we want to just kind of deal with the external and internal issues with church revitalization. And so I don't know about you, Jay, but I definitely feel some pressures every day. Every day. Maybe some not as big as others, but I think that, yeah, I think ministry in general, maybe not just church revitalization. I think it's heightened in church revitalization, but any pastor or ministry team is going to feel pressure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially the spiritual pressure, physical, emotional, all that stuff. And, but in particular, when you, you step into revitalization and so we've, we've been there and there, there are some things I think pressures that can start right, you know, right on day one, Yep. Um, day one, it can begin and the pressures can really start to get to you. And then over time it builds up and then you're like, what is happening? Because the pressures are so intense and You know, I I think about our kind of our situation and it's funny, you know, people who may have been with the organization or maybe they've watched from the outside. It's interesting when you step into a revitalization, you're going to face some type of negativity or even being blamed. And and I think that's one of the the, one of the key external pressures I, I think I just wanted to dialogue here with is just the fact of getting blamed for something you didn't do and then dealing with the negativity of either gossip or naysayers or whatever it is just coming against you. I mean, do you kind of feel that a little yeah, bit? I think a lot of, you know, when you think of church revitalization, you think of change. Mm. And people don't, change makes people uncomfortable. Cranky. Yeah. And so when you're stepping into, a situation and external pressure that you're probably going to face, you know, right yeah. away is that, you know, that that conflict that builds over change because mm. you're kind of stepping into a, a system, you're yeah. stepping into a culture and and you're kind of messing with things that are very familiar and that can really 
make people feel uncomfortable and unhappy. And, yeah. and sometimes they, you know, you know, people verbalize or, um, you know, they complain or they verbalize like, why are we, why are you messing with this? Why are you wanting to change this? You know, so it, it, it is. Yeah. And you can get blamed and, and kind of what you talked about is kind of like the ecosystem. Like every church has an ecosystem, a culture that this is the way we kind of do life. You think of a, a pond in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks very stale and stagnant, but if you mess with it, you're going to upset something or someone, or maybe it's the EPA that's going to be upset. I mean, it could be anybody, right? But kind of tying into that, I think maybe another thing is just when you step into revitalization is stepping into an ecosystem. It could be a culture shock. Yeah. Have you ever heard the, the term, well, this is how we do things here? Yeah. You may not, you know, as the new person, as someone That's walking right. into a church revitalization, you don't necessarily know how things are done. That's right. And so, you know, just taking time and listening and, you know, there's a whole, you know, there's there's studies done on how do you effectuate change, mm. you know, positive in a healthy way. I think just being really cognizant of that. And understanding that, you know, while things can be very unfamiliar to to you, they're not unfamiliar to the people that have been living in this situation for a while. And for them, it's all they know. That's right. That's right. And and I always teach that just because it's your first day of revitalization, it's not anybody else's first day. It's your first day, not their Mm -hmm. first day. And so when you start messing with an ecosystem, especially something that's unfamiliar, you have to be careful because there's a culture. Yeah, you have to be very careful and you have to have understanding Mm -hmm. and patience. You know, you still have to do what you what God's called you to do when you're there to help improve things. But just even that having that understanding and care for the for the people that you're working with and uh, ministering to that you have to understand that some of these changes could really be difficult for them. So how can you best help them process through the why and the need, the need to change? Yeah. And that's, that's really important as we talk about the external, like dealing with community or making changes, you deal with a certain, you know, I think about like our friends in Vermont, you know, as they're church planting, as they're doing things in very hard places so that Jesus gets the glory, you know, they, they just can't make, fast changes because there's a certain ecosystem that the town or the community respects mm-hmm. and, and revitalization is a lot slower. Whereas if you're in like a Dallas metro area, Washington, DC, yeah, changes things change all the time, all the time. Yeah. And nobody blinks an eye at change. Yeah. New England is very different. Very, very, very different. And so when you deal with external pressures, you know, that could be the people in the church or people outside the church. Maybe people don't even go to your church, but they still consider your church their church, even though they've never had a relationship. Or think of the historical church. <laughs> the historical the town churches, that's right? Been there for, I mean, hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. You're not messing years. with that. Yeah. You're not messing, you're not necessarily going to change certain things. And you have to go into that knowing that yeah. and understanding that. Um, that's definitely an external pressure or issue. And so when you talk about like the town and the community that you're in, you know, like town polity can really mess things up, mm-hmm. especially if you have like, we've seen this before where you get somebody from the South and they come up to New England and they want to plant and they want to change the world. Normally those guys don't last very long because if they're not homegrown um, or maybe from that town, the church politics can really control things. Yeah, especially if they don't understand it. Yeah, you know the whole idea is you want to build bridges. You don't yeah. want to. You don't want to build walls. And and yeah. these are people that 
God has called you to this area. God's called you to your church, yeah. to your town. And the whole idea is how are we going to reach them? Not how are we going to rock their world or upset <laughs> them? You know, not how, you know, we have to, we have to live together. You know, yeah. it, there's a community outside the church and there's a community inside the church. Yeah. And then like another external point that I think about is as a new pastor walking into say, and I'll just speak from our context, like New England, people aren't used to change. Mm-hmm. You're, you're always considered like an outsider. Like it's, it's crazy. Like people know, I mean, you kind of have an upper hand because you were born. I was in, born in Maine. Yeah, yeah. You were born in Maine. And I, I think you have, yeah, I think you came out with a Red Sox jersey on. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, where, whereas me, I'm kind of like the alienated New Yorker. Yeah. My mom is a um, big Red Sox fan. Yeah. So even, even in Virginia, we watch Red Sox. Yeah, that's right. That's so. right. So New Englander by birth. Yeah. Lived in the South most of my life, but I, I still have that cred. Yeah, as, exactly. Know, as a New Englander, but I mean, and it could just be not in New England. It could be anywhere. Correct. Like you're walk, you know, your first day on the job, you're the new person. Yeah. Stepping in. Yeah. And it can feel lonely and maybe isolating a little bit. I just remember those first few months of living here, even though I was very familiar with New England, I had visited, had family here. Even just, it was different from from home, and it was you know you don't have uh, friendship connections like mm. you, like you did, especially if you're if you're moving to a church or a situation, and so it can be lonely until you really have that time to forge new relationships and new friendships and kind of you know feel like family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so if you feel like an outsider, it just it's going to take time, or it might not ever go away, but respect will come over time. Yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. And so it's important. So when you deal with small towns, you also deal with the fact that like, if it's a really small town, uh, kind of John Mellencamp, small town song, you know, like, <laughs> like that thing, like Jack and Diane, like, yeah. that whole, like everybody knows your business. Yeah. I mean, just as a pastor's family as yeah. it is, you know, it, it's, it's not a joke that the pastor's family, you live in a fishbowl. You yeah. kind of do like everyone knows your stuff and they want to, they want to know you know, about you yeah, and those things. But you can kind of feel like, not only do you feel it maybe like an outsider stepping in, but that there's no privacy. Yeah, there's no privacy. Yeah. Like I remember um, Ed Young Jr., you know, pastor's a great church, great pastor. And I remember him talking about, I, m- I remember some message he did where he brought a fishbowl up on stage. And, and I don't even think, maybe I'm taking this too far, but I think he kind of, he made an analogy of like, that's like his family yeah. inside the fishbowl and everybody's like up in his stuff and like always looking. And I just remembered that thinking like, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And he gave me a different perspective. And then, you know, here I am as a lead pastor and it's like, everybody wants to know, like when you, when you sneeze last and then you're in a town and, and if it's a small town, like everybody knows, like when you, like when you pull out of your driveway, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's kind yeah. of Stephen Kingish, like creepy. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just something you have to, you know, you have to process through and have lots of conversations, especially if you have kids. And it's okay to set up boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. It's okay. You yeah. know, this is this is our personal space. Like, yes, this is our ministry space. This is when we're giving of ourselves and of our time to mm-hmm. our community. We love our church family. Yeah. Don't we we love our church yep. family yep. and um, God has truly blessed us, but as a pastor, you do need, and a pa- as a pastoral family, you do need time to disconnect. Yeah, you do. But there can be external pressure. This is a 24-7 job. That's right. Okay, there's no way of getting <laughs> around that, and so you just have to understand that it's a 24-7 job for your family. Yeah. You know, if there's a serious issue, if there's an emergency that a pass, you know, that requires and demands pastoral care, yeah. you have, you know, you have to step into it. You have to, into speak, it. You speak, you into have it, to yeah. speak into that. 
And so your kids will kind of learn over time, um, you know, how to process that and how to deal with it. And if you have healthy boundaries of when it's not crazy and when there isn't an emergency or when there, you know, when it is calmer, protect your family space. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, talking about those are all like the human side of things, right? Those are like human pressures. But another external pressure is the pressure that we can't see. Yeah. And that's the spiritual warfare. Huge. Where Satan is not happy with you stepping into a church, praying that, that God will bring an awakening and bring it back to life again. Like Satan is ticked off yeah. and, and he is going to come after you to discourage you, to, to knock you down, come after your family. Yep. We've seen it. We, Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. We've seen attack after attack. You know, when you're stepping into and you're trying to save something that's dying and Satan would love nothing more yeah. than for that church to close or, for, right. or for, you know, your team to give up or for you to give up that, I mean, that's, that's his goal. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, pushing against that and stepping into and trying to bring health and vitality to a people into a church, Satan is going to be angry and he's going to do whatever it takes. And so that's why you have to be, your family has to be focused on just making sure that they're in tune with communicating a lot and, and being prayerful, being Mm -hmm. prayerful as a family. I started early on as we, we always drive to church in separate vehicles because you have Mm -hmm. to be there at one time. And you know, I get to be there a little bit later with the kids when they were especially little. We would always pray as we were driving. This isn't the time to like talk about the day. This isn't the time to like, you know, argue or, you know, this is the time we're going to pray as we drive to church and we're going to pray for daddy and we're going to pray for the team. And we're going to, mm-hmm. because we know that if we don't walk into this prayed up and with the power of the Holy Spirit, then, you know, Satan's going to attack. Yeah. He's going to attack. Absolutely. And, and that conflict, the, the attacking of the conflict is going to come. And it, it might even come through people who are not walking with Jesus. Like they're, they're kind of on the outside. They're just maybe a consumeristic mindset or maybe they're a, a church hopper and they're not really all in. And maybe Satan has a grip on their heart and they step into the assembly, you know, the ecclesia, they step mm-hmm. into the assembly and then they start problems. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see the uproar there. And, and that could be some external issues too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, conflict is, is a big deal. And, you know, you have to, one of the things we've talked about with our, our staff so often is that no matter what comes at us on a Sunday morning, it's, you have to be prayed up, but it's also patience and grace with mm. people. Cause you don't know, right. you know, if, if a comment is made, you know, it could, it could really kind of fester inside of you. Or if, um, you know, if something goes wrong, you just have to have that mindset. Okay. Regardless of what happens, I have to have the right attitude and the right response. And I have to understand that what we're doing is we're in a battle here. Yeah. Like this is spiritual warfare. Yeah. And we've got to be, we've got to have the right attitude to make sure that God can use us. And just praying over you, praying over our teams, you mm-hmm. know, to make sure that you have the the tools necessary, you know, like your heart is pure before God and that you're ready to to speak what the Holy Spirit wants you to speak on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's really good, and and then you deal with the fact that like kind of where we are, and, and I think where the rest of the country is headed too. I mean, we kind of feel things first in New England just yeah. because we're we're such a, a lost area on you know on the evangelism map, so to speak. And I think about that the fact that church is not popular up here, so mm-hmm. that's that's already um, something against you as you're trying to revitalize. 
And years ago, it used to be the church was the default where everybody would go to the church. Hey, I'm hungry. Let's go to the church. I'm hurting. Let's go to the church. But now the church has moved from the default to the demise. Yeah. And it's like, no, we'd rather not go to the church. And so you have that up against you, plus the satanic warfare, plus mm-hmm. you stepping in, you're trying to make new movements and hearts and towards prayer and to see things awaken again. And it's challenging yeah. just from the external side. And you may think it's your fault. Like you That's may take right. it, you may take it personally. Yeah. It's not personal. Yeah. It's really not personal. I mean, I think any pastor or pastoral staff or, or family would say, oh, we're dealing with the same things. That's so right. It's not personal. You just have to understand that. Mm. And it's not a critique of how well you're doing either. There's just a lot of external pressures right now uh, to leading. Absolutely. Um, so why don't we shift gears from the external? Let's move into internal. Okay. Let's talk about the internal <laughs> issues with church revitalization and people stepping into that. Why don't you lead this one? I think that, you know, first you have to, you have, like with any ministry role, you've got to make sure that when you're heading into it and when you're starting that your motives are pure. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's got to be a clear call. Yeah. You know, God has to call you two years of code to your ministry. And if you go into it with the wrong motives or with the wrong mindset, um, you're going to face some disappointment, mm-hmm. probably a lot of disappointment. And it's going to be a lot harder when those external attacks and pressures come. It's going to be a lot harder to defend yourself against them if you don't have pure motives, you know, heading in. And then it can also cause stress on your marriage mm-hmm. and your family as yep. well. As you're facing church revitalization, as you're trying to effectuate change, mm-hmm. the resistance and those external pressures could really, if you and your spouse or you and your children are not locked and communicating and have a good relationship, yeah. it could it could um, build walls right. within those relationships and frustration and bitterness. I think bitterness yeah. is something that pastors and pastoral families, you know, can really struggle with. Yeah. Towards people and even towards the ministry in general. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can kind of feel like, I know that we've had lots of conversations. Trust is huge Mm -hmm. and it's hard Mm -hmm. because you will get hurt. Yeah, I think it's inevitable. You will get hurt. Like if our kids hear something that's said about something, a change or a shift or, um, or us, they can kind of internal. They can internalize that as well. Yeah. So that's why it's very. Care- you have to be very careful what you expose your kids to, what they hear, mm. and you just have to have. You know, we we talk we talk about a lot. You and I do. We have to over communicate. Yeah. With our family, mm-hmm. and, and just make sure do check ins. You've got to check in to make sure everybody's okay, especially if you if especially if you're in the middle of a conflict. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and I think too, like if people have the mindset, like I'm going to go into revitalization because I'm the hero, I think that's the wrong motive. If you're going in to be the hero, uh, chances are you're going to fail because mm-hmm. Jesus is the hero of the story, not you or myself or any leader. And I think you hit really hit on it. You have to have a very clear call to revitalization yeah. or to that place. And so you can't leave revitalization and have a bag packed. Yeah, um, you, you've got to unpack everything, and you can't, you know, oh, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna rent our time here. Like you've got to unpack and settle in, and 
watch God work. And, and if it works out, great. Uh, if it doesn't work out, then God will make that clear. But you have to be called to this. Yeah. It's not a job. No, it is not. It is a calling. And like I said, it's a 24-7. This is a lifestyle. Yeah. And so you have to be committed to that. And, and you, the hard part is your kids are not like yeah, the kids, kids didn't get the like. That's right. You were the one in our family <laughs> that was called, not our children. So how do you process that? Um, very, That's another podcast. That is another pos- <laughs> podcast very carefully. But, you know, you want them to love the church. And so you don't want them to have church hurt. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just recognize that and understand that that is an internal issue and pressure that you're going to have to face. And I think a heavy dose of humility. Mm-hmm. I think you cannot, like you just said, you can't walk into a church revitalization with a hero mentality. It's it's humility. That's right. It's really listening. What do you think? Yeah. How are think you know most of listening the time, posture. Ex- mm-hmm. Absolutely. Most listen. Most of the people probably already you know they know that there's a problem. Issues. <laughs> they know that there are issues, and they're not looking for a hero. No. They're looking for a humble pastor yeah. that wants to love them yeah. and come alongside of them and guide them. Yeah. To where they need to be. Yeah. I always say a guide on the side, not a sage on the stage. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's huge. And and I think that ties into the with the internal issues of some people want to come in as this, you know, the hero solo sport and and that doesn't build teams. No. And people who have that mindset are unable to build teams. Mm-hmm. And I think with revitalization, it's all about unity. It's about following Ephesians 4. It's following the the body coming together being united in Christ and like we're in this together yeah and we're not separate it's not uh, me versus them no, it's, it's we're all in this, this some yeah. of our biggest encouragers over the years have been those people that stuck yeah. with it and that were here and they loved on us yeah and they accepted us yep. into their family yep. and we you know we listened to them they listened to us yep. and we worked together yeah and we dug in you know yeah. we dug in and we cried together we prayed yep. together and we said how are we gonna how are we gonna fix this problem <laughs> this problem is bigger than us and they stuck with us you know through thick and thin then I don't know where we would be without yeah. those people on right. our team right and and you know that's how that's that's what God uses. That's the the beautiful picture of the body of Christ yeah, yeah. that God uses in a, in a church revitalization. And, and so if, if you're going into revitalization, the internal issues as the leader, you know, if you're, if you're battling with the fact of my way or the highway, um, you're probably not the right person for the job. And it's important to have not just a listening posture, but a teachable posture. Uh, teachability is the key to everything. And yeah. I think that was a, uh, a key thesis of uh, Matt Keller's book uh, that teachability is the key to everything. And so if you're not teachable, you're pretty much done. Um, yeah. You're done and there's nothing you can do. So it's all about being teach- teachable, listening carefully, listening to the Holy Spirit, praying, saying, God, where, where do you want your church to go? Instead of looking at the magazines and the feeds and doing the comparative saying, we need to be like this church. Mm-hmm. Let Jesus speak to you as you lead, and that will take care of a lot of the internal issues of the heart. Another concept is, you know, a lot of people, they they just kind of, they bail after they run out of, like, ideas, um, or maybe they run out of sermons, you know, maybe they've they've been kind of like an interim pastor in many different places, and they hop around, they use the same grouping of sermons everywhere, and there's no no freshness um, in them. Um, that's, That's scary. Uh, I think God has a word for every place, mm-hmm. and 
you know, God wants to speak a word in that place and in that season and time. And so you have to keep fresh as a leader. And if you don't, you're going to have the internal issues like what, why do you know, what am I doing this for? And you have to be broken. You have to have a heart that's broken for the people and that you have to feel if God tells you to change your message or maybe change an illustration or whatever, you need to do it. Yeah. But I think also the pressure of having to constantly come up with new content and new ideas and you can become so tired and fatigued. 100%. I know I've been in this position many times where I'm like, I'm just so tired. I can't come up. I can't come up with any more ideas. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me to make any more decisions right now. Yeah. Um, But that's when it's that healthy reliance on the Holy Spirit in your own strength. You cannot do this. Yeah. You can't. You need that you need a lot of prayer you need yeah. the holy spirit um you need those fresh ideas you need good counsel you need good people to bounce ideas off mm-hmm. because there may be some tough things that you're going to be dealing with in church revitalization and you need some extra you need some external help yeah I, we did that many times yep. like all right this is the situation where there that we are dealing with we don't have enough expertise here we need help don't be afraid to reach out and ask yeah for some help or a new idea because you just might get you know some new insight from somebody yeah Yeah, some different perspectives and so you know don't be afraid to ask for help Mm -hmm. no that's that's good then i think about like some of the internal things not just with ideas and creativity because that's exhausting in itself and like what i tell people it's like literally i have to come up with a new term paper every Every single week and it's like playing baseball it's like yeah, and they expect it to be the best one. Yeah, everybody right? wants a home run. Every, <laughs> I mean. You know, and, and you guys, listen, you have bad days. Yeah. Like, don't beat yourself up. You know, I think every week you come up, yeah, how did I do? I'm like, you did great. You got up there and you preached the word. You said yeah. what God wanted you to say. And you were, you're harder on yourself. Yeah. Then I think. I think baseball players do that too. Like, they yeah. go back to their coach and they're like, how was that coach? And the kid's yeah. like, well, you need just your foot if you're playing baseball. <laughs> like, you're going to have a rough day. <laughs> There's going to yeah. be an off week. There's going to be weeks where, like, you, you know, you're going to leave the weekend and church and you're like, yeah, that went great. And then yeah. you're going to leave another weekend. Feeling like, depleted what? or like. Yeah, feeling depleted and defeated tired. and yeah. spiritually tired. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what are you, what strength are you doing this in? And then also, don't, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Mm. Don't be so hard on yourself. Again, people want love and they want authenticity yeah. and they want truth. Yeah. Stuff they can use on Monday. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of internal pressures that pastors can feel are just that doubt and insecurity. Can I even do this? I mean, we felt that early on. Like the it, it was so big. It was so big and you think, oh, this is this is bigger than me. I can't do this. Well, yeah. it it is because, but it's not too big for God. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. You're you're like leaning into having doubts and insecurity, yeah. which affects your identity. Yeah. And, and I think your identity has to be in Christ, and it has to be like God's given me a word for today, and I'm going to drop it, and I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to let God's Spirit lead, and I'm going to be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and lead, and let God change hearts. I mean, there's so many times where people are like, were you talking to me on Sunday? And I'm like, I was talking to everybody. So I was talking to myself. Yeah. So I tell everybody I preach to myself every week. Yeah. Uh, but you all get to listen. And some people think it's, you know, it's them. But I think the last thing before we wrap up is that internal issues that if the pastor is just using their current church as a stepping stone for something greater and bigger and better, 
that's a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, revitalization is messy. It's hard. And so the bigger, better attitude is like the celebrity pastor. And so I think pastors, some pastors, not all, but some pastors struggle with that. Like, I want to be a celebrity pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to preach to, you know, 20,000 people. You know, we're, we're post-COVID now. That's probably not going to happen. Um, we've moved to a small neighborhood type church atmosphere. And, you know, that neighborhood church is on the rise. And th there's a lot of things behind all that. But it's important that we, we deal with the fact that we're going to have these pressure points. We're going to have the the internal and the external pressures but it's how we deal with that yep. and i think no matter what we're facing i think it all comes back down to prayer absolutely and, and praying about it and having that listening posture and saying you know holy spirit teach me what do i need to do next yeah prayer and humility yeah so um i hope that was helpful because i believe we all face that yeah, including we're not, myself you're not alone. yeah you're not alone you're and not i think alone. that's probably the message i want you to hear on this podcast is that you are not alone and that there's many of us around the country that are asking the same questions, feeling the same pressures, and there's not one hero uh, that has all the answers mm -hmm. because I think collectively the church in North America is, it needs help. It needs more revitalizers, needs more leaders, needs more humility to people to step in and to, you know, preach the, preach God's word yeah, and don't in the locality up. and don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. We're all facing these pressures. We all have to learn how to deal with them and how to process them and but don't don't let these whether it's external or internal don't let them defeat you yeah don't let them defeat you good word good word well listen thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you on the next go around on the episode of vital nomics <laughs>